Hello and welcome to the Wildcat Scoop Podcast. I'm senior editor Jason Shear, and uh, we're not even going to talk about the, the last game, the ASU game. Uh, it was a, a massacre. That's a good word for it, I think. And uh, Arizona just uh, just beat ASU in every facet of the game. But, I mean, we could talk about that, but the reality is that the big game is Oregon. Nobody's even thinking about the, uh, the ASU game at this point. And Arizona has a heck of an opportunity. Um, in, in the next few days, because uh, to me, I, I think a successful road trip in the Pac-12 is, is generally a split. Uh, I think if you could split in the Pac-12 and sweep at home, you have a very good shot of winning the conference. If Arizona could somehow beat Oregon um, in, and Oregon State, obviously Arizona's in the driver's seat uh, to win the conference when you consider that the Wildcats don't go on the mountain road trip, which could wind up being the most difficult uh, to go on. It's probably between the mountain road trip and the Oregon road trip. Do I think Arizona sweeps? Probably not. Um, but if they do, obviously that that's a heck of a, uh, a heck of a success this week. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. The game of the week in the Pac-12 is clearly Arizona versus Oregon. Um, and there's a few things here that uh, that I think we need to talk about. For starters, this is going to be Arizona's first game in a hostile environment. And even though Oregon's crowd has not been great, I think it's like averaging like 7,000 per game, we all know that this thing is going to be a sellout or close to it and that the crowd is going to be very into this game. In an ideal world, this isn't Arizona's first game against a, uh, against a team in a hostile environment. The issue is that if you remember, Arizona played the Baylor game and the football team was better than we all thought. Baylor makes the uh, Big 12 title game. People stay home to watch that game. Arizona's playing in a, in a weird environment um, is how I would describe it. If you've never seen the Baylor arena, um, it's extremely, I, I wouldn't even call it an arena. It's almost like an exhibition hall. It's, it's really weird. The angles are weird. It's very difficult to shoot there. Um, and then it wasn't a hostile environment at all. And so that game likely would have prepared Arizona to go at Oregon into a hostile environment. The problem is that it didn't. And then Arizona's other games, Gonzaga at home, St. John's was on a neutral court, etc. So you can very well, very easily, and it, because it's true, <laughs> make the case that this will be the first true hostile environment, um, which kind of sucks for Arizona because Oregon is a very good team um, and we have no idea. We have no idea how Nico's going to respond. We have no idea um, how Zeke's going to respond, how Josh Green, Christian Coloco, even guys like Jamal Baker. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's a different animal. And so Sean Miller, while discussing it earlier this week, um, he has concerns. I mean, he even said, you know, Peyton Pritchard is a guy that's been around the block a few times, has been in these big games, has faced Arizona uh, what feels like 40 times. Um, th this game isn't going to phase him. Nico, we have no idea. Um, do I think Nico gets rattled? No, I don't think that he's of that mentality. Uh, do I think it's a difficult matchup for him? Of course it is. Peyton Pritchard is a really good point guard. Um, and so we can break down the matchups and all that, but at the end of the day, if Arizona can't handle the environment that it's going to play in, it doesn't matter. And I don't think that Oregon is a considerably better team than Arizona. I, I really don't. I know that Oregon has looked good at times, but heck, Oregon's looked bad at times too. I mean, against Texas Southern, that was a team that very well could have lost that, that game to Texas Southern. Against Colorado, at Colorado, I know, but still, the Ducks didn't look great. Um, there's been games where Oregon doesn't look good. Um, with that being said, uh, I, I think that the biggest difference right now, the biggest question mark, is how Arizona is going to respond in that type of environment. Um, you don't want to fall 
behind early. You want to get out to a strong start and all that, but we don't know. I mean, we, we just don't know. Like, I don't have a good feel for this game. I'm, I'm likely going to pick Oregon. Uh, I'm not confident about it. I, I've talked to Mike Luke, who you know is Dana Altman fan number one, and, and he says the same thing. I, I Vegas, too. I mean, the spread's only three. They're begging you to bet on, on Oregon, which means that they probably think Arizona's going to win, which is crazy for a lot of people to think about because of the way that Arizona's played against better opponents, but um, it, it's just, it's a weird game to me. Like I said, I don't have a great feel, and that's one of the things that I'm excited about. Um, I, You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird game because I'm not sure Arizona has to win for me to feel better about Arizona. Like, if Arizona goes and gives Oregon a great game um, and loses, I think Arizona fans will generally be okay with it. If they go and get blown out, obviously Arizona fans are going to be pissed. There has been better Arizona teams that have gone to Oregon and been blown out, though you can make the case that the teams that have blown out those Arizona teams have also been better Oregon teams um, as well. So I think we'll know right away if Arizona is going to be rattled by the environment. Um, If I'm Arizona, I'm looking to go inside and get some early buckets and kind of calm people down. I think it'd be good to get Nico a couple clean looks early, run some plays for him if necessary in order to get his jitters down. Um, But who knows? He may not have jitters. But um, you know, moving on from that, you look at the individual matchups, and, and there's some exciting ones. Obviously, uh, the big one, we'll, we'll just go position by position. Um, I'll also provide my breakdown um, as well. That's on Wildcat Authority, but kind of going a little more in-depth into things. Peyton Pritchard versus Nico Manian, I kind of just touched on this, but... This is basically a matchup of a four-yard seasoned veteran point guard who's not going to be phased at all versus a point guard in Nico Mannion who probably has better tools than Peyton Pritchard, has a higher ceiling than Peyton Pritchard, but doesn't have the experience. And I think in college, experience goes a long way. Um, this is the type of game where if you're Oregon, you really want Peyton Pritchard to take it to Nico Mannion. Um, you don't want that matchup to be relatively even because I think, at least in my opinion, if Nico Mannion and Peyton Pritchard play even, I think Arizona wins this game. Like I, I think that if Peyton Pritchard dominates the Nico Mannion matchup, Arizona probably lost the game. Um, I don't want to put it all on that matchup. There's obviously a lot of basketball being played at other positions and stuff like that, uh, but it's no doubt an important matchup. And uh, what I'm also curious is, you know, Peyton Pritchard is, is solid defensively, but he's not great. And he's a, he's the type of player where, um, similar to Nico in Arizona, like you could tell when Nico leaves the court, for the most part, Arizona's offense doesn't run as, as smoothly. Against ASU, it did. Other times, it did not. You take Peyton Pritchard off the court for Oregon, things get ugly real quick. And so, if if Nico is aggressive against Peyton Pritchard and can somehow get him off the court and in foul trouble, Oregon's in big trouble. So, what I would look for is maybe the Ducks put Will Richardson on Nico Mannion and, and kind of let him uh, guard Mannion for spurts. Um, his minutes will go up because C.J. Walker is hurt. He played uh, 20 27 minutes um, against against Utah in the five-point win uh, this past weekend. And 6'5", has good size, would, would stronger than Nico, would, would give him some fits in that regard that Pritchard probably can't give him. So maybe they switch it up to make sure that Pritchard uh, stays in the game. Oregon doesn't foul a ton. 
Um, but it's still the type of situation where Peyton Pritchard's going to play, you know, 36 to 40 minutes. <laughs> it's just uh, against Utah, he played 36 minutes. Um, Oregon's giving him all the minutes uh, that they can this season because he's that important to this team. He's averaging 34 minutes a game, uh, which is a ton, obviously. Nico Banyan's probably not far off. But um, it, the attention will go to that matchup. But obviously the game is bigger than that. But I, I just, if Nico can play Peyton Pritchard relatively even, uh, I think it's a good sign for Arizona. Uh, moving on, Dylan Smith. Um, it'll be interesting to see who Dylan Smith covers, whether it is Mathis uh, or Duarte. Uh, you know, Mathis is 6'4, uh, Duarte is 6'6. My guess is that Dylan Smith guards Mathis. Mathis, I don't want to say he's easy to guard. Uh, but he's straightforward. Um, and this is a game where if Dylan Smith is turning the ball over, he's getting benched. Arizona doesn't have time for that. Um, it's going to be Jamal Baker. It, and with Chris Duarte, I'm sorry, not Chris Duarte, with Anthony Mathis, if you're leaving him open for three, you're out, you're out of the game. I mean, that's really Mathis's offense. And, and, and I'm not you know exaggerating at all. Anthony Mathis averages uh, 10 points a game. And, and they're pretty much all on threes. I mean, just to take a look, uh, this season, he's averaged 9.8 points a game. He's making uh, two and a half threes a game and going to the line like once. Um, he is a guy where he is a very good shooter. He will make those threes if you leave him open. Uh, he will make you pay dearly. But he's not the type of guy that he's just going to like take it to the basket and hit floaters and, and stuff like that. He's, he's come back to earth a little bit as of late. Against Utah, uh, did not score at all. Against Colorado, played 29 minutes and only had 7 points. Um, against the better teams, though, you know he, he's kind of off and on. UNC, didn't play well at all. Gonzaga, Seton Hall, didn't play well. But against Michigan, was 6 of 10 from 3 for 19 points. Against Houston, had 5 threes, 18 points. He's that type of player. If you take away Anthony Mathis's ability to shoot for threes, or you make sure he doesn't get clean looks, he's not going to get a lot of minutes. I mean, Dane Allman will take him out of the game and put in uh, different lineups or put in Richardson instead of him and, and kind of move things around. Uh, Mathis could play 20 minutes. He could play 30 minutes. I mean, it really depends how he's doing from three, and, and that's going to be Dylan Smith's challenge. Arizona doesn't need Dylan Smith to go out and score 20 points this game. Uh, if, if he does score 20 points and it's efficient, Arizona blew out Oregon. But if he can hold Mathis, I think that'll be his role. Um, if he isn't able to contain Mathis, Jamal Baker's going to get his minutes, and uh, Max Hazard will get his minutes, and they'll give him a try. But the reality is they may get those minutes anyway because Dylan Smith, um, his inconsistency is something that Arizona really doesn't have time to let Dylan Smith work through things uh, against Oregon. It, it just It's not that type of game. You're either ready or you're not. Dylan Smith is obviously older. If he's not ready, he's not playing. Um, is there a difference between Mathis and Dylan Smith otherwise? The three-point shooting is really the only thing. I mean, they average similar numbers. Mathis is obviously a, a better shooter uh, than Dylan Smith overall, but their overall impact on the game, um, it's, you know, in, in, in a logical world where, where both guys play to their normal capabilities, they should have similar impacts. If one has a, a much bigger impact than the other, um, the, the edge probably goes to that team. The the matchup, or one of the matchups that I'm excited about, uh, is Chris Duarte versus um, Josh Green. And and Sean Miller said it at his presser that basically told the media, said, hey, you wouldn't even ask me about Chris Duarte. Um, 6'6", 
JUCO guy led the, led the country in JUCO scoring. Um, you know, you take a look at, at his game since uh, December, uh, 11 points against Michigan, 12, 13, 31 against Alcorn State, 10 Colorado, 14 Utah. He's taken double-digit shots um, against Arizona. I would be surprised if he doesn't. Uh, he's, you know, he, he's four straight games with double-digit shots, and the game before that was nine. Michigan did a nice job of, of slowing him down. Um, he really played 24 minutes in that game, had 11 points. Uh, but he's a guy where he can really, he, he scores in a variety of ways. He can hit the three. Um, sometimes he gets a little too in love with the three. We'll shoot threes when he really shouldn't be, um, especially when sometimes he can get in the lane and would rather do that. Uh, we'd rather shoot threes than get in the lane. But either way, I mean, he shoots 36% from behind the arc, 44% from the field, uh, solid rebounder, mostly on the defensive glass, five rebounds a game, uh, versus Josh Green. And that, to me, is an awesome matchup because I think that Josh Green and Duarte match up really well together. I, I think Duarte is a good scorer. Um, I, I think Arizona and Green can match Duarte's scoring. Uh, it, but, you know, Green and Duarte, they're both going to have their work cut out for them defensively. They're very similar players. It is a player of two of the better wings in the Pac-12, and, and I'm pumped for it. I, I don't, to me, when I'm going to be doing my actual breakdown, the written one that I come out with, uh, it's even. Like, I don't see either playing ha- player having a major advantage. Uh, I'm pretty pumped to see it. Uh, it's another one of those matches where, look, if Josh Green outplays Duarte uh, or Duarte significantly outplays Green, that team has a huge advantage just because, on paper, it's uh, it's such an even uh, matchup. At power forward, uh, we're going to have Zeke likely against uh, Shakur Justin, who, to me, while I think he's a good player, um, his numbers are very far down. I mean, we remember that game when Arizona played UNLV uh, and he destroyed Arizona at UNLV, and Arizona won that game, but, I mean, he really, really took it uh, to UNLV, and, and so, uh, overall, I think that you kind of take a look at, uh, at everything, um, and, and really, you know, Shakur Justin's averaging uh, eight points and six rebounds a game. The biggest obstacle for Arizona uh, will be to keep him off the offensive glass. He averages uh, two offensive rebounds per game. He can average more than two offensive rebounds per game. Um, he's a guy where uh, he's really going to make uh, really going to make guys work for it. I mean, the reality is that he's going to make uh, Zeke work for all his points. But to me, uh, Zeke is a better player. I just think that Zeke overall is going to make sure you know. Justin can get into foul trouble. Uh, I mean, Zeke, Zeke's a better player. He's more mobile. Sometimes Justin's like another other players on Oregon where they get kind of obsessed with the three. Uh, he, he takes too many threes. He took four threes against Utah and made one of them. Um, too many threes. I mean, he's a guy where he can score in the paint. He's best offensively uh, when he gets to the lane on the offensive glass. Um, he's a guy where he Oregon needs him to play well. Um, and so when you're looking at the biggest advantage for Arizona uh, over Oregon, um, I, I think to me it's Zeke. Uh, I think Zeke is the key in this game. Arizona should go to him early, should go to him often, because if Zeke is playing his game, there is no one on Oregon that can guard him. Justin can't guard him because Zeke's too strong. Okoro can't guard him. He's too slow. And Dante's just not ready right now, not smart enough uh, to be able to guard him. Gets in foul trouble pretty quickly against better players. Utah, for instance, had four fouls in 15 minutes. Zeke is the uh, the key to the game. And similarly... Uh, Chase Jeter, moving on to center, is a guy where I really question if this game is for him. 
I, I really do. And that's not because I just think that Chase Jeter's terrible. I've, I've made it known I'm not a big Chase Jeter fan, um, but I don't really know if this game um, is, is for him only because I think that against these more physical big men, Jeter tends to struggle. And I think that a guy like Dante or Okoro uh, will really will really take it to Jeter. Um, this is a game where, and I think Sean Miller would say this if he could, um, soft players need not apply. Like, if you're soft, you can't play in this game because this is going to be a physical, intense game. And, and Chase Jeter, um, you know, as much as I'd rather not say it, Chase Jeter's soft. Uh, he played well against Romello White, but Romello White was injured. Um, in other games this season, against St. John's, for instance, he was completely out-muscled and, and outclassed. And um, does Arizona need Chase Jeter to play well to win? No, because I think that it has other options where, um, you know, a guy like Stone Gettings comes in and they move things around and Zeke plays the five, etc. Uh, Christian Coloco, obviously, um, like to me, when I look at the Oregon matchup, I think Christian Coloco is the better matchup for for. Arizona against Oregon. I would play Coloco as many, if not more, minutes than Jeter against Oregon. Um, the question is, and why Sean Miller may not agree, is because it goes back to the environment. Um, is Coloco ready for this type of environment? Is he ready for the physical presence that Oregon's going to bring? If Coloco touches the ball, is Oregon going to swarm him and, and try to force him into bad decisions? You're going to a hostile environment, and if you put in your freshman, you're basically having four freshmen on the court at once, and we all know that Sean Miller is going to be hesitant to do that, and and, and he's not wrong. He, he's really, he, he's not wrong to uh, to be hesitant um, to do that. It's a difficult situation for a coach to be in when you're on the road uh, in a hostile environment against a team like Oregon. But this could be Coloco's national stage game. I mean, if Sean Miller puts him in and uh, and he plays well, who knows? Uh, I mean, it it it, <laughs> it it changes everything. And um, you know, I, I'm really curious to see the minutes that Coloco plays if he goes on the road against Oregon, and he's playing, you know, 12 minutes, uh, that means that Sean Miller absolutely trusts him. If he doesn't, I, I don't think people should freak out. I think it's just a matter of the environment and the type of game. Like, I could see him um, not playing much against Oregon, but playing more minutes against, like, Oregon State, for instance. Um, I, I just think that it's a, it's a challenging situation, but if he plays well, uh, that is something that obviously tells us a lot about Christian Coloco and the type of player that he is and the type of player um, that he's going to be. Uh, it, it's it's a fun matchup, and, and you know what? Let, to be honest, we could just be making um, too much uh, out of it uh, this early in the season because uh, the fact of the matter is these two teams are, uh, are playing again. Um, Arizona only has one conference game. It is January 8th, but... I think that when you look at the overall picture, if Arizona can somehow beat Oregon and then somehow beat Oregon State, which I find highly unlikely, um, but if they can somehow do it, you got to pick Arizona to to win the conference or be in the best shape to win the conference, I should say. Oregon would have two losses. Arizona doesn't have to go on the mountain trip. Um, you know, Washington could be in line for a loss against Stanford. They'd have two losses. I mean, it's just a situation where at the end of the weekend, Arizona could very well, you know, figuring if, if it's somehow sweeps, would have like a two-game lead on the, on the teams in the conference that will challenge for the conference title, which is a huge deal especially with the Bay Area schools coming to town uh, as well soon. So, you know, in terms of my pick, um, I'm, I'm going to pick Oregon. Uh, I think the spread is very interesting, and it's caused me to think twice about it because Oregon's only favored by three. But I think at the end of the day, 
asking a team with four freshmen that play minutes, three that play a lot of minutes, to go on the road against a well-coached uh, team with older players, even the newer players are older. Like Justin's been through it. Um, you know, Okoro is isn't he doesn't played a ton of minutes, but he's been there. Peyton Pritchard has been there. Mathis has been there. Um, I, I just think it's asking a, a, a lot. Um, I don't expect Arizona to get blown out, but again, I don't have a very good feel for it. It should be a close game. Um, I think we'll know early. Like I, I think Oregon's the type of team that makes it difficult for you to come back. I think they're going to show Nico Mannion numerous looks. I, I expect him to play mostly man-to-man. Maybe they go in a matchup zone sometimes. I expect him to press a little bit, um, but mostly man-to-man. But they're going to give Nico numerous looks and, and try to force him to adapt on the road in that type of environment, which is going to be a challenge for him, as well as Nico's been playing, and I think he's been better than some Arizona fans are kind of projecting him so far this season. But it's still it's just difficult for him to do um, in this environment, just like it would be difficult for any uh, younger point guard in this environment. But it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think it's a big matchup for both teams. I know I just downplayed it, but I think it's big in the sense where, um, you know, if Arizona wins, obviously I've outlined what could happen. And if Oregon wins, um, it's it's right there, obviously. And, and Oregon's had uh, Arizona's number as of late. So. I'm looking forward to it. We will uh, we will do another podcast after the Oregon game on Friday, um, previewing the Oregon State game, which is in reality just as big as the Oregon game, just getting a little less attention. So, once again, I'm Jason Shear with Wildcat Authority. This has been the Wildcat Scoop Podcast, and I appreciate you for joining us. 